Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and empowering you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. As always, you're welcome to join us on this eliminating journey. Follow us on all our social media, Zero Network on Facebook, on Twitter, at Zero Radio is the show handle, at Lorenzo T. Neal is my personal handle. Thank you so much for thinking not robbery to join us again for another broadcast of the Zero Today Show. Uh, I'm just going to get right into it. I am, um, man, I'm grieved. I'm, I'm, I'm grieved beyond measure. I'm grieved because I thought we lived in a better country than we live in. I thought that um, we had gotten past some of the things that we saw in other countries early this year, you know, we saw Hong Kong uh, rioting, we saw France, uh, people in France rioting, we, you know, we've we seen them in the Philippines, we've seen them in other places around the world rioting, and, and yes, we've had riots in the past, we've had looting, I just go back to, um, to Ferguson. Baltimore, yeah, we had it, and um, you would think that seeing it on American soil, people would react differently, but we, we, you know, man, I just don't know why people using opportunities of injustice, uh, using uh, things like this, opportunities of injustice, and Maybe not opportunities of injustice, but acts of injustice. That's what I really wanted to say, y'all. I'm sorry. Acts of injustice. And use it as opportunities to uh, commit greater injustice against their fellow humans and their fellow Americans in the name of activism, social justice, and all that. Whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't even know what to call it anymore. And I'm going to say this, and I want to be very clear. I know black folk are out there among the crowds, you know, looting and rioting. I know. But I also know that black folk ain't starting it. We know. There's evidence out there, and I'm not being speculative. I'm, you know, they're facts. This is, this is a white, young, um, properly educated group of individuals who... Are, are so, so um, anxious to be to see uh, not a race war, but I, I think they just wanna they just wanna have a, a, a movement like happened back in the the forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies. That's all they want. They wanna they wanna go back in time. They, there's there's this sick nostalgia, this sick regressive nostalgia that's plaguing our country. It's dominating the Groupthink as causing us to react. I know black folk got better sense than this. I, I know. I know white folk got better sense than this. But we, this this whole, the entirety of the 21st century, these 20 years of the 21st century, has released upon our culture, our communities, and our country. A devastating sense of 
disgraceful, disgraceful nostalgia. Wanting to go back to whatever it is they perceived America was. For those who are more uh, conservative, Christian, evangelical, right-leaning, it's the idea of uh, the nuclear family. Getting back to the idea of two parents, a husband and a wife, male and female, man and woman. With their 2.5 children and a dog and a picket white fence, going to church every Sunday, obeying the laws of the land. Then for those social justice warriors, is a recall back to the 60s. Free love, all that free self, whatever it was, marching and protesting, going against the man. And it's their grandchildren. It's, this is not the children. These are the grandchildren of those individuals, or even the great-grandchildren in some cases. They are seeking to get back to this. Why? This is why I think, honestly, they have no sense of purpose outside of something created for them to rage against. You would think that with 20 years of self-improvement books, uh, reality television, and all this stuff, putting a spotlight on bad behavior and poor uh, personal interact in interactions and interpersonal interactions. You you would think that people would look at that and say this is you know this is framing uh, what we should not be doing, and it's doing the exact opposite. It is doing the exact opposite. It's actually framing them to what they think they should be doing. Forget diplomacy. Let's act, and then, and then, and then to top it off, to top it off, we we in we are in such a political. Uh, I don't even know the words to describe it. I, I mean, right now, in about four months, what is this? July, June, July, August, September, October. No, so in about uh, five and a half, six months, we'll be voting for the president of the United States, and you know what choice we have. We have the choice, well, you know, if you if you buy into the two-party system of the United States, you have a choice of an incumbent president who is so insensitive to the angst of the country that he is called to lead, so insensitive that he could call for for you know. A right, uh, peaceful protesters to be dispersed by any means necessary. Now, I'm not saying that he called that. And I, I don't want to say he decreed it. I, I don't. I really honestly don't believe that President Trump would say, "Hey, gas those people, use rubber bullets on them, and get them out the way so I can go over to the church." I'm not. I'm not going to say that. But I, I, I would say that you know he's like, "I'm going over there. Just make a make a path for me. Just make sure I get there. I'm. I'm going to be bold." You, you're talking about a guy who you know. He has to put this image of being tough. I don't know why. Uh, maybe because, you know, if you watched him doing, <laughs> doing the de debates of 2015, 2016, he put this image of like, hey, I'm the tough, I I'm a tough guy. I'm, you know, you guys are politicians. You guys are going to play by the rules. I'm not going to play by the rules. 
and he's displaying that now. I'm not playing by the rules. I don't care what you all think I should look like. This is what I am. This is the role I'm playing. I'm the tough guy. I'm the law and order president. Fine. Good. Wonderful. Be that. We have the choice of him, and then we have the choice uh, of Joe Biden, who I don't even know why any black person, after a statement he made, would vote for him. You have the gall to say that if you're uncertain about voting for me versus Trump, then you ain't black. Why would I vote for you? Because you expected me to con- conform? I'm not a slave. And I'm speaking about me. I'm not a slave. I- I'm not. I'm not subject to the party system of all. You know, either one. Now, I- and he- I got to be clear. Though I am center right and I have conservative leanings, and you know when I look at social issues, I try to look at them at an individual basis and not not uh, clump them together because everybody is an individual and individual acts and all of that blah 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 yada yada so forth and so on. And there's just certain things and precepts and principles that I just stand by no matter what. Being a person of faith and a minister of the gospel, I'm just going to stand by that plain. If it's in the scriptures, I'm going to stick by that for the most part. And I know, yeah, some will argue scripture is, is skewed and biased. Man, I ain't got time for that right now. We had this, this, this is just, this is the craziest existence in my entire life. In my 45 years of living, I've had the opportunity to meet every single president with the exception of one. In my lifetime, I've met Ronald Reagan, I've met uh, Bill Clinton, I've met George W. Bush, I met his father, George H.W. Bush. Uh, no, I didn't meet uh, Obama. I did not meet Obama. So, no, I, I, let me correct that. And I definitely haven't met Trump. So, let me let me correct that statement. I've met uh, several of the last living presidents in my lifetime. and And for the most part, I... I Though I may not agree with them on policy, I respect the office of the president of the United States of America. I do. I sincerely do. And though I may not uh, agree with elected officials, I respect their office. I try to honor the fact that they've been elected by their, their communities, by their people, to represent them. I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter to me where their base is. If they cater to the base to get elected, they got elected. My problem is, my problem is when we allow our leaders to virtue signal, to virtue signal so that they can get credit for whatever they think they need credit for. And the last 20 years, all we have seen majority, for the majority of uh, the election cycles over the last 20 years has been nothing more than a bunch of virtue signaling to say I'm better than that other person, that other person is worse than me. And, of course, I'm sure that's part of the political game. I'm, I'm, I'm not a politician. Well, uh, even in our church, it... It, <laughs> even in our church, there's virtue signaling, you know, for elections. 
but man, I, I'm so grieved. I, I'm grieved that in this day and age, particularly within the last 12 years, within the last 12 years where we've seen a plethora of black men and women lose their lives at the hands of persons who were called to protect and serve them. And and not just black men and women, but there are others, you know, white matter of fact that we know majority majority, I don't know why I'm saying majority, majority of the persons impacted by uh police uh excessive force are, are white. We know that because white people are the majority of the country. You know, they get arrested more. They 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 have more interactions with police. And yes, some of those turn out the same way as George Floyd, unfortunately. But they don't go on national news and if they do make national news, uh it's very, very rare. And maybe I'm speaking of generality, but I can't recall seeing on national news or, or anything going viral lately uh, regarding white on white interaction, police interaction. They, uh, but it happens. Um, then you have Breonna, Breonna Taylor, you have Ahmaud Arbery, and you have the others that have uh, lost their lives uh, during this time. And yes, the black community overall, if there's nothing that we're monolithic about, we are monolithic on one issue. <laughs> that is when white a white person uh, takes the life of a black person, be they armed or unarmed, we are going to raise our voice and, in some cases, raise hell. That's the only thing that we're monolithic about. We ain't monolithic on church. We're not monolithic on politics. We're not monolithic on music. Heck, the last few weeks we've been seeing uh, in the, uh, the battles, of, you know, of, of artists, musicians, and singers. They've been battling. And we ain't monolithic on that. We ain't even monolithic on Soul Train. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing. But the one thing that we have a a pretty much a solid solid agreement on is when it comes to uh, white on black crime. We do agree black on black crime is a problem. But how we deal with it, we don't know. We don't want to. But we will take our time. We will take our time, and. And and raise hell for incidents like that, and it's just as you know there is a just to do so, it, and there's a place to do so. But um, man, it's just it's just just frustrating to me to see what this country is experiencing right now, and I know. As always, it's going to die down. It's going to get out of the news cycle. We're going to forget about it. By the end of this year, it'll be just another event that happened in 2020 that we will barely remember. 
Hurricane season is happening now. As uh, three named storms right now, as those storms develop and wherever they land on in in our area, if they on the Gulf, wherever they wherever they go, there's gonna be headlines for a few weeks. The damage that they cause, blah 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 yada yada. And then by the time uh, the the real uh, the real Politicking begins when we start seeing debates between Obama, I mean, not Obama, <laughs> between Trump and, and Biden. And even if they're, if they're third or fourth party individuals, we know that they're not going to be on the stage. It's just going to be those two. We're gonna, that's going to be another uh, episode of the reality television show that all of us have been living didn't ask to be a part of. We ain't even getting paid to be extras. We, matter of fact, as extras, we ain't even getting access to the doggone food tray. <laughs> I'm being Joba, but uh, I, I don't really have. I don't really have a primary theme to talk about. I mean, there's just it's just so much going on. But I, I do really want to talk about this virtual signaling, though. Let, let, me, let me talk about that. If you don't know what virtual signaling is, virtual signaling is pretty much uh, publicly expressing uh, sentiments or actions that is to, it, the whole point is to show that you're better than someone else when it comes to the moral uh, code of ethics or moral behavior or the moral high ground or whatever that is. Y'all, my dog just got in my lap. So if y'all hear him, that's that's what's going on. I'm doing a lot of moving because he decided he wanted to join me as I'm recording. That, that That's what virtual signaling is, you know. You got a position and you want to prove that your position is better than the other person's position. So in just two days, in just these few days this week, what we have seen is Nancy Pelosi virtue signaling and Donald Trump virtue signaling. Both of them using a sacred text that perhaps neither of them really takes to heart. I know for certain Mr. Trump doesn't really take it to heart because if he took it to heart, um, most most of what he says and tweets <laughs> would not be said or tweeted. Both of them use the Bible as a prop, and that 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 just frustrates me because as a man of faith, as a pastor, as one who took the time to actually go to school to study. What is it within those sacred texts? And not just the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament, but many other texts, you know. I've had the privilege of reading and trying to understand them and contextualize them within uh, their faith communities' uh, praxis so I can better engage them, not so much to convert them, uh, but to engage them and to see it being used as a prop, to, to, to hear, to, to see the President of the United States uh, 
Just hold up the Bible. Hold it up upside down, by the way. <laughs> and hold it up. Make sure people get the picture of him holding the Bible in front of this sacred space of St. John's Church. In front of that sacred space that had been vandalized and, and burned. In front of that sacred space where uh, dozens of presidents since the uh, 18th, 19th century have gone to pray, to worship, and to see him stand there. And when asked, is this your Bible? It's a Bible. I, I, I can't, I, I just don't get it. I can't wrap my head around it. And to know that persons who were peacefully protesting were forced by, I guess, military police, I don't know, police in riot gear with, with tear gas and rubber bullets, seeing one punch of a cameraman, I think it's from Australia, seeing um, persons... Uh, impacted by that, and by all means, I, I grieve for them, and I understand that those persons were just carrying out their orders. But to put, but then to see that the president used that moment while this was happening, or after this happened, or whenever I don't know, I, 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 you know, I told it's six o'clock. He's doing a speech, man. I'm just knocking everything over. Six o'clock. He's doing the speech, and six thirty. Uh, makes his way over to the church um, for the photo op and whatever. I, I, it just grieves me altogether. And what what grieves me more is that Nancy Pelosi tries to one up Trump, but at least she's familiar with scripture. You know, doesn't make it any better. Still uses it as a prop. They're still both virtue signaling, signaling. And to hear uh, my white brothers and sisters in ministry defend that action, I'm like, man, y'all missing the point altogether. This is one of the times I think we should ask, what would Jesus do? Really, what would Jesus do? I, I honestly, uh, I definitely don't think he turned the other cheek. But hey, what do I know? I think uh, I, I I just I'm grieved by this more so than ever before because uh, the world is desperately I well I won't say the world um, people are desperately. Looking for some sense of righteous indignation, righteous righteousness uh, from our leaders, uh, not virtue signaling, but authentic righteous uh, condemnation of behaviors that are unbecoming. That's what people really want to see. And they're not getting it from the leadership. And it's bad that, unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of bro white brothers and sisters who who see this through a small, small 
eye lens, a small lens, not a broader thing. It's not just about black and white. It's not just about police and crime, criminals. It's not just that. This literally is systemic. This literally is systemic. And yes, we we see evidence of in the case of Mr. Floyd, you know he well, he was resistant. We we see where he was putting up a, a bit of a of struggle, not much, but he was putting up a little little resistance. It certainly was not enough for for a, a cop to live on his neck for nearly nine minutes while he was handcuffed. Certainly was not enough. It's it was enough for him to be arrested. For whatever that cause led to that, that's irrelevant. But it was enough for him to be detained at the very least. You know. And now that man's life is gone. That has led to, to the losing of life from many, many others since these riots and looting have begun. It grieves me, man. It grieves me. Because I'm not saying our brothers, our white brothers and sisters don't get it. I'm sure they get it. I know they get it. And it's not a hard conversation to have. But um, I don't know. I, I, I really. I really don't know what to make of it. You know, the other virtue signaling, you know, Joe Biden sitting in his church and saying within the first hundred days, uh, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to come against systemic racism, you know, institutional racism. And I'm like, dude, you are part of the institutional racism because you just told every black person who heard you. That if they don't vote for you, they ain't black. That's institutional. You have privilege to be able to say, uh, I'm the only candidate that you have. Without affording them the opportunity to say, hey, well, you know, I, I may be the best candidate for you because of blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. You're not doing that. And yeah, and yeah, you can say, look what I did on this and this and that while you were with President Obama as his vice president. But, you know, you've had four or almost five decades in public service. You know, four, maybe five. I, I think it's almost five decades of public service to this country. And you have been a politician at the best. Because you've done not no, not so much as what the people want, but you, you, you followed. You know, uh, okay, this, this is, this is the popular thing. I'm gonna go with the popular thing. You know, I'm gonna go with what's gonna get me reelected, which is what most politicians do, and I can't blame them. If I were a politician, I would probably do the same thing. But let's make it clear, Mr. Biden, and I know you're not listening to this, but whoever's listening to it, you, you can't undo. Systemic, institutionalized racism in this country in 100 days. One, I don't think legislation is sufficient to do that. We, we see the Civil Rights Acts 
of the 60s and, and all, well, matter of fact, it's more just just in the 60s. But all these civil rights acts that date back to 1863, 1865, all of these, all of these acts, all of these things that's supposed to be helping black people, legislators found a way around them. Legislators found ways, especially in the Deep South. They created laws around them. And that's exactly what would happen. You try to put a fight up like that, and I'm not saying don't try if you get elected to do it. Go ahead, right on. But then you just be institutionalizing something else. Maybe contributing to a greater problem. Indebting us who are black Americans to legislation by saying, hey, I did this for you. You ought to be grateful. I did this for you. My administration did. You ought to be grateful. For what? Grateful for what? That's why I, 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 I beg our black leaders, our, elected, our black elected officials to think for themselves. And I love it when I see that they do, when they, when they step out of line. And if you notice, when black politicians step out of line, what happens? They get us to turn on them and get them back in line instead of letting them think for themselves. I, I, man, they tell us, they tell us, oh, you're an independent thinker. You ought to be able to think for yourself. In the moment you do, they turn on you for thinking for yourself. For thinking as an individual and not part of a collective working against the individual. It, it frustrates me. And, and, you know, I, 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 I'm really, I, I am really grieved, man. I, I'm telling you. Because we are so divided in this country. Everything is politicized. Everything is politicized. A doggone virus was politicized. And we, when we discovered that, unfortunately, it was impacting uh, blacks and other communities of color greater because of our health disparities, because we don't trust the system, we don't trust the medical system, we don't trust the judicial system, we don't trust the pharmaceutical companies, we don't trust anybody, but grandma and great-grandma, you know, old homemade remedies, we'll treat ourselves first before we go to the hospital, especially those black men, we're stubborn, and I'm one of them, too stubborn, if I'm feeling bad, I'm going to tough it out, because I don't trust the system we don't trust system and, and we're, we're seeing this distrust and and this has been a thread of mine for the last several weeks 
and it's worse against the younger brothers and sisters, the black brothers and sisters, because, you know, one, they've been brought up in a world, uh, especially those who are in their, you know, under 25. If they're under 25, they've been brought up in a whole different kind of world than I was and than my father was. My parents were, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. A whole different existence and a whole different uh, perspective of of life and human humanity altogether. And when they see what they've been conditioned to believe and perceive as supposed to be how we are, and they see that falling apart before their eyes, the disillusionment of what they've been taught. When they see that falling apart before their eyes, you know what they do. You see what they're doing. They, they, they turn out their angst against each other. Against each other, when I mean humanity. I'm not talking just about individual persons. I'm talking about uh, against humanity. White privileged children, white, young white privileged children saying we got to do something. We got to make it happen. And black underprivileged children frustrated with the system because they thought the system was working against them, they go and join in. Oh man, my chair is so so noisy. I mean, I, I'm just grieved by it. I, I really am grieved by it. And um, I read a post on the old black church and brought um, asking where are these white popular preachers in this moment? Where have they been? And they gave a uh, a list um, and you can go to the old black church blogspot.com. And uh, see the list uh, that they make. It, some of these people I know. Some of them I don't know. Some of them I know I, I are never going to say anything. I, here, here's the thing with me. I, I'm going to say this. No, I'm going to say this publicly. Paula White came. Paula White came. Pro- pastors of predominantly uh, black church. Founded by um, Zachary Timms. After Zachary Timms. Um, very, 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 very uh, sad passing. You know, she had a successful church already, and decided that wasn't enough, and she gonna take over another church, and she did. And by all accounts, you know, I guess it's worked for her. Her ministry hadn't really changed much. But, you know, for her to be a spiritual advisor to Trump and pastor a predominantly black congregation. And maybe it's not predominantly black anymore, but you know, since she's been there, I don't know. But for her to at least, you know, the history of the church being predominantly black, founded by blacks, black clergy. And to be a spiritual advisor to Trump. And allow Trump to virtue signal like this is 
beyond embarrassing for me as a member of the body of Christ. And two, for those people who still attend their church. Because, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to assume that they're still attending the church because they want to honor the memory of the, the founder of the church. Not so much as be under her. But they just want to keep his legacy alive. You know, and even though his his now uh, ex-wife has her own ministry that's doing well, you know, they, they, they're staying there because of because of him and to, to every time something happens with President Trump in a negative manner she spins it in a positive manner in a Christian way uh, some white Christian spin on it it just I just don't get it and, and again I run in these circles so, so I'm not it's not like I'm an outsider I mean a lot of these brothers and sisters who uh, black preachers and who are affiliated or who are Trump supporters, I run in their circles, you know. I identify with the causes regarding, you know, abortion and injustice uh, against some some black issues. You know, I, I understand why some of them support President Trump, but I'm going to be honest with you. That this is just not one of those times I could do it. I would do it anyway. I, you know, I haven't really supported him. I've admired the fact that a lot of positive things have happened, and uh, regarding black people under his administration, with low employment, the lowest number of unemployment, uh, you know, the highest growth, uh, you know, uh, economically, you know, those are things we should we should think about. You know, his his actions toward criminal justice reform. You got to give him credit for all of that. That's notable, you know. But he's, you know, he, he's doing it because he wants to win our vote. We know that. He wants to win the black vote. Good. Wonderful. Every politician does that. But we still got to do better. I, I didn't, Like I said, you know, I really, I really didn't have a solid uh you know, script or anything I was just wanted to talk about. I just had to, I had to let go. I really did. I, I mean, it's, I'm grieved. I've been grieved these last several months uh, since, you know, we've had to shelter in place and hearing about the deaths of loved ones because of the virus, hearing how the virus has been politicized and seeing people react negatively um, and all of this, it, it's just been grieving me. I love my country. I love our president as best I can. Uh, um, I love my people. I love, I love how we exist in this moment. I hate that what we're experiencing is so unsettling. It grieves me, you know. I, I I hate it. But at the same at the same time, I know this too shall pass. I really do. I know that this is not going to last. It's it's a little bleep on the radar screen. Um, and we have short term selective memory as a country. 
So within six weeks, this won't be a big deal. Definitely by election time, it won't really be a big deal. By December, it'll be all by all but forgotten. And I said we've got to do better. I, I say we really got to do better. Um, instead, everything I have, I'm not, you know, I, I really don't know. I don't really know. Uh, to pastors, if you're going back to in-person worship, just be careful. You know, look out for your people. Don't do it just because. We all are ready to get back, but just be careful. Do your best to to um, make sure your people are safe. And for those officers who will continue to do the job in spite of the unrest in your city, your municipality, your state, I applaud you. For those frontline workers, those uh, first responders still working, those nurses, those hospitals, uh, uh, workers, long-term care facility workers still working in the midst of this craziness, I applaud you. And to you, my brother and sister, listening. I thank you. I thank you because you may not be doing a lot. But whatever you're doing, you're doing something to help. I it may not be the best action as with the looting and rioting. But if you're doing something, do something. I wish it were better than the actions of other persons, but oh yeah, I tell you what, best action you can do is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Doesn't get any better than that. Doesn't get any easier than that. So, ah. Oh yeah, before I go, um, since my birthday last week, I, I announced I have, I will be doing, I am doing 45 days of works of kindness, love, generosity, and love. I did 45 days leading up to my, my birthday, and I'm doing 45 days following my birthday, and um, I'm not really documenting it. It's really not for public consumption. I, I just wanted to let people know that I am doing it. And say, how can I verify that I'm doing it? If it's not written down or if it's not displayed and it didn't happen. <laughs> Man, I, I just just trust me. I'm, I'm doing it. Small things, big things, it doesn't matter. I'm just trying to uh, give of myself the best way I know how. And I'm quite sure that even after the end of the 45 days, that will continue that's just in my nature to do so but um i am and for those who are listening if you send me an email if you're listening to the show if you send me uh uh to the first two people that send either a comment 
on the Facebook page, the Zero Network Facebook page, if you listen to it on that way. Or if you're listening through all the other podcast outlets, Blog Talk Radio, uh, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, all these other outlets that we're on, wherever you're listening to. If you uh, send me an email, I'm going to send you uh, a free copy of both my books, A Breach in the Family and Reflections from the Pastor's Study. I'm going to send that free of charge to you. And uh, again, that's to the first two people. That you know, that's all I can get right now. <laughs> I gotta order some more. I gotta have some more printed up before I can do more. Um, but uh, just email me or uh, inbox me if you're listening on social media, all of that. Uh, if you don't have the email, it's Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail dot com. And um, if you don't know, I'm on Twitter at. Uh, Lorenzo T. Neal I'm on Instagram PastorZo75 I'm on Facebook uh, Lorenzo Neal As well as Dr. Lorenzo uh, Neal On Facebook um, LinkedIn all, all of that You can find me Just just Google me If you just Google me And respond If you go to my website LorenzoTNeal.com And respond You know I make a post You make a comment If I know <laughs> I, I'm desperate, huh? It sounds like I'm desperate. It doesn't it? <laughs> uh, no, but I want to just be a blessing to you if you're listening. Uh, I, I just want to be able to do that to you. So uh, however you respond, you will get uh, copies of my uh, latest books. I'm, I'm working on a couple of more. And um, y'all pray. I want to get these out. I don't want to rush, but I want to get these out. Because I think they're going to be... Uh, beneficial to humanity and the body of Christ. But that's all that I have. It's a wonderful Wednesday. Oh, I should have said this from Jump. Uh, it is Wear Orange Week. For those of you who know, I'm a, a Survivor Fellow, Senior Survivor Fellow with Every Town for Gun Safety, uh, Survivor Network. And in that role, I share my story of how I lost my mother and nephew to gun violence. And uh, so I'm wearing orange all week, just orange shirts, not orange suits or orange pants or anything like that. I'm just wearing orange shirts all week, uh, designating me as a survivor as well as uh, joining uh, with many hundreds of others like myself in uh, raising the awareness of gun violence and pushing for gun violence prevention in our communities and countries so join me the rest of this week or however whenever you can do it do so i honor my mother and my nephew in this way and uh so that's all i got uh catch me next time we probably be a little better and won't do as much rambling and uh whatever i did i don't even know i have to listen back to it later but anyway uh make sure you uh, like the show Share this and leave comments for me. Whatever you do, you guys be blessed. And I'm out.